Cougar football enters the bye week at four and one, but with a tough schedule remaining. What are our expectations for BYU's record over the final seven games? And we'll hear from AJ Vongpachan, the star linebacker, on how BYU's feeling entering the bye week and what it was like playing in front of a sellout crowd in the historic win against Cincinnati. BYU TV analyst David Nixon breaks down where BYU's most improved on defense this season. And this week's top five features the top five plays from the first five games of the season. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, October 3rd. I am Spencer Linton alongside a man considering a serious hair change, Jerem Jordan. Jimmy Butler showed up to uh, NBA Media Days <laughs> with this look. I'm emo, he said. Where are you? And I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's what I hear when I see that uh, haircut. So, yeah, J Jimmy having some fun with that, which is awesome. Jimmy Butt looks, looks like he belongs in the Goo Goo Dolls. Or maybe, yeah. This like, is what we would look like with that look. Oh, my so, God. please no. Um, <laughs> you especially holding the pole vault? So, like, I like emo music still, but I'm more like punk pop is my favorite <laughs> genre of music. Still, I love it. Like, those bands come through town, and I'm still going to those concerts, man. Yeah, okay. A little, little Blink-182 look for Jimmy yeah, Butler. Yeah, Blink, Blink's, yeah, punk pop, right? Emo, emo, <laughs> like I like the like somewhat, but not as much as punk pop. So there you I, go. I got to hand it to Jimmy Butler. Also, let's not forget that he has a significant BYU tie. His essentially adopted brother, Jordan Leslie, was a yeah. star receiver for us in 2014. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy watched was, BYU games. He's wearing a Jordan Leslie number nine BYU jersey. Yeah, that happened. Posting it on his social media accounts. What if he played with that haircut? Couldn't see, man. <laughs> Just getting ready for a free throw. Oh. A little flip of the hair back. That'd be that'd be like Hornacek <laughs> minus the hair. That's fantastic. And a perfect reason to rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. The bye week is upon us. Seven games remaining for BYU football. Uh, over those seven games, the Cougars have the ninth toughest remaining schedule in all of college football. Well then. This according to ESPN's Football Power Index. Whoa. Ninth toughest out of 131 FBS teams? Are you kidding me? So, Jerem, the question is, if BYU does have the number nine toughest remaining schedule, what do you expect the Cougars' record to be over the final seven games after the 4-1 start? Listen, 4-1 was great, um, but, but this was a significantly easier portion of the schedule than the last seven. So I'm thinking 3-4. and four. Here's my just projected, which uh, it's not going to be this, which is why we play the games, which is fun. But at TCU, you know, I, I'd like BYU to compete. Maybe they go win that one. I'm, I'm penciling in a loss. Texas Tech at home win. At Texas, loss. At West Virginia seems tougher than we thought before. I'm penciling in a loss. It's although, tough anyway because of the cross-country trip. Sure. Iowa State, win. Oklahoma, loss. At Oklahoma State, win. Now, BYU could certainly do better and different than what we're saying. I'm just saying, at this moment, what I think will happen, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking three and four, and you come out seven and five in the regular season, and you go, hey, that's pretty good, all things considered. Didn't know how tough it'd be. BYU didn't have much of a run game. Defense was improved. Special teams was pretty good. Um, I, I'd take seven and five right now because BYU, yes. to me, is one game ahead of schedule. Yeah. The at Arkansas 
win is the ahead of schedule portion of this. And so I, I'm excited. That means they can get to seven. And we should note that you just, you just gave BYU two wins that ESPN's FPI says they are underdogs in. What, what, I wasn't paying attention to the graphic while I talked. What BYU's, game is BYU north of 50 in? I, Iowa State. Just Iowa State. And it's 51%. Okay, so ESPN doesn't think this is happening for me. No. Especially at Texas. That's why they're giving BYU the ninth (laughs) toughest remaining schedule is they have BYU an underdog in six of the remaining seven games. And the one game BYU's favorite in is 51% at home against Iowa State. Now, I, I don't know what's going on with ESPN's computer metric. Again, these are, these are numbers. This isn't They're like a person. They're looking at BYU's means as well. Yes. Yes, BYU's 4-1, and one, but like how BYU is playing is not crazy delicious. They're, you know they are I mean? saying that if BYU continues to play the way they're playing, then that is the result that's going to happen. That's how I understand it. Yeah, no, the, like the numbers BYU's putting up in the wins is not crazy. Like BYU's getting it done, but again, what did we say yesterday? This is the new formula. It's not about... Um, you know, eye-popping numbers per se, because the defenses are better. No, it's and about you turn being... the ball over, and you get injured, and da da da. This is Power Five football. This is not the same kind of deal. BYU has opened up a new cookie shop. It's in a different neighborhood. It's a new product. It's different. It's not going to be the same as what you sold before, and what you've seen before. But BYU's four and one. We we, we don't ask. We we're not overly concerned about uh, the means, only as it pertains to winning. But moving forward. Yeah, there's going to be some tougher competition in the back seven here. BYU football right now is compared to a low-scoring baseball game where there's a whole lot of blah, 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 blah. Like we won four to two. Then there's a big home run, and it's awesome, and they win, right? And that was all they kind of needed. That's all, that's all you needed. Yeah, yeah. So stole a base here and there. You laid down a yes, yeah. yes, they're explosively opportunistic, and football power index at ESPN clearly does not like that formula. They don't, they don't, they're not buying into four and one. Like, it's numbers-based. It's how BYU has won. They, they were projecting BYU to win three games at the beginning of the season with that metric. Okay? Three. Three and nine was if you went strictly by just percentages yeah. from ESPN's initial FPI. Sure. So the Cougars have exceeded that. They're four and one. I'm with you. There are three wins at least yeah. remaining on the schedule. Amen. At least. There yeah. are at no least, first. because BYU is ahead of schedule, and because why, they've shown us who they are through five games, why would they all of a sudden stop being opportunistic and having explosive plays? I don't think that's going to just like all of a sudden stop over and, seven games. And conversely, why would they start running the ball effectively? Yeah. Like, they, are it, who, they are who they are right now. Yeah. What, what will be different in the final seven? What do you think? Tougher teams. What could be different? Tougher from, opponents. From BYU's performances. Well, Do we think BYU is going to be able to run the ball more effectively? Like, probably. Like, how many games is BYU going to run for 100 in? They run for 101. I think they'll run for 100 Two against three more? Oklahoma State, against Iowa State. I don't think Texas Tech has a super tough front. Maybe, and you win those three games? Those are the three I Frankly, said. Frankly, BYU should have gone win. north of 100 yards against Cincinnati, who, yeah. who might be one of the best rush defenses in the conference. And 100 is not a lot. Again, 100, no. in fact, 100 is bad. BYU should have gone over 100. There were some things that happened that was like, oh, that's a bummer. A snap over the head that cost them 20 yards or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, that, that whatever. Actually, the red zone perfection numbers. <laughs> BYU has shown us who they are. There are three wins remaining on the schedule. I'm st- I have said seven for six months. Seven wins. This team has enough talent awesome. to win seven games. The real question for me is, is there an eighth on there somewhere? Can BYU pull a stunner? TCU, Texas, is West Virginia for real? They're 4-1 and one right now. Oh, 
Oklahoma. Or like Oklahoma. If, if BYU beats Texas, TCU, or Oklahoma, that'd be awesome. West Virginia just did it on the road. So that means, hey, BYU can go do it. Well, and frankly, if we're playing, if we're being completely fair to the situation, maybe BYU drops a game that we thought they would win, and then they sure. pick up one that stuns us, but you they still have, end up at seven. You just have to make it up. Like, BYU losing at Kansas is not a shocker. That no. was like, eh, are an 11-point underdog. It's kind of a 50-50. You're on the road, uh, explosive offense. You lose that game. You turn it over like that, you lose that game. Kansas' star quarterback actually played in that game, unlike he did against Texas. <sighs> yeah, come on, man. <laughs> and then, like, can BYU challenge Texas or Oklahoma and actually pull one off? Like, historically, obviously, 6-1, and one, that's an amazing number. You summon that 2014 energy when you go to uh, Texas. No Taysom Hill, per se, but, like, can BYU uh, pull off a, a shocker there? Wyoming made it a 10-10 game going into the fourth there. Like, what's possible there? At West Virginia is probably your swing game here. Like, can BYU go to West Virginia in Morgantown? They're like BYU, Jerem. Yeah. The, like, if we're looking at how they've played games, they, they played a lot like BYU. And, and they, got their, they got their starter back last week, by the way. So they were playing the freshman, uh, Nico Martial, uh, but Garrett Green came back and they won. And they blocked two would-be tying game, game-tying field goals in the fourth. They're scrappy. Huge, huge plays in that game. TCU is tough. Like, Kendall Bryles is the OC. He was the OC that chewed up BYU with Arkansas. Oh, year. I remember. Like, that, that scares me. Like, like, that TCU offense with... Chandler Morris, they were slowed down to the tune of 21 points last week. Can BYU do what West Virginia did? And maybe that's your seventh win if you drop one that we don't expect. Or maybe it's your eighth. Like, can BYU go on the high side of 500 and go four and three in the last seven? If, if BYU comes out with eight wins in this, in this season, that's incredible. Given the newcomers, given new season, power five, all of this, like, that would be amazing. Yes. That would be, I would argue, Kalani Satake is uh, probably his best coaching job. Um, you know, 21, I would argue, is the number one so far, going 10-3, mm-hmm. and three, off of 20, 20, and five draft picks. Winning the Pac-12 guys, South, the Winning the Pac-12 title. South, just straight-up title. <laughs> Pac-12 gave it. <laughs> is there any, like, is there any like uh, intellectual property we can, like, buy from the Pac-12? I don't know. Since they're probably going out of business? Uh, the joke remains <laughs> across. Is there, is there a uh, warehouse sale on the Pac-12? <laughs> The joke remains, yes, in the de facto Pac-12 South title, but it was like some BYU fans put out, this was the moment the Pac-12 was broken. They were like, we're when, done. When BYU, BYU beat us five times, we're done. <laughs> we're, we're done. The conference is going away. Actually, they said, Utah won this twice, we're out. <laughs> These guys? It's a combination of supernatural I'm just powers. jealous of a P5 championship. Let's just be honest. Oh. All right, we both agree three and four. There are three wins remaining on the schedule. Absolutely. We don't know when and where they're going to happen. Yeah, we, we think do. we have an idea of... <laughs> where at least two of them will yeah. happen. Two of these three, Texas Tech, Iowa State, at Oklahoma yes. State. Yes, worst case, realistically speaking, worst case, BYU 6-6. Six and six. Yes. Worst case, realistically speaking. Could total Spence, 2-5 and five is a possibility here. BYU's got to show up every game. Like, you cannot have a Kansas moment where you have a weird ball uh, ball bouncing this way. By the, by the way, BYU's best offensive game it was in the Kansas game. This team does not need crazy offense to win. The irony there is amazing. It Their is best so... offensive game is the one game they lost. Here's my best, because they were playing from behind the whole time. My best stat for this is BYU's fourth in FBS in fewest yards per point. They, they uh, average 10.5, but it's Florida State, Kentucky, USC, Oklahoma. That is good company to be in. Sure. But number six is Iowa. <laughs> Iowa's terrible. What in offense. the world? You did, like BYU's been inept at times offensively. 
And then other times they have super short fields or they're just straight up scoring. Uh, you know, you, you get the pick six, you get the uh, Austin Riggs PD fumble recovery at the 15. Like, that all helps. And BYU in the red zone is 16 to 17. They just they, yes. they get it done. They've scored, uh, what, 12 touchdowns in the red zone? So they're, they're doing a really nice job there. If BYU goes 6-6, six and six, they're probably going to Shreveport. So here let's we go, a, let's 7. Let's get another Here we go with winner, 7. Come seven. on, get to 7. Our, our question of the day. BYU, as we just talked about, has the ninth toughest remaining schedule according to ESPN's Football Power Index. What do you expect BYU's record to be over the final seven games? Both Jeremy and I feel like it's 3-4. and four. Maybe 4-3? Four and three? <sighs> Joe Tegardine on X answers, healthy – Four and three. Limping, three and four. Exceed expectations, five and two. Nirvana, six and one or seven and oh. Without a run game, I don't see any way that BYU goes five and two in this, in the last seven. Like BYU would need to go for 200 plus the rest of the season, like per game. They, they would need to do something that they clearly have not done through the first five. Yes. By the way, this is just in from at NFL Draft Scout, uh, I, uh, Matt Miller. I watched BYU's Kingsley Suomati in person versus Arkansas when asked who's the best athlete among the tackles this year in college football. It's hard to imagine anyone being more explosive violent than he is, but I haven't watched every tackle prospect, of course. But the way that he assesses Kingsley Suomati, that's good news. He thinks Kingsley's top half first-round pick, like top 15 guy. I love it. En enjoy up. Kingsley this year because you may not have him next. Sony Olive on Instagram yes. answering his expectations for the back seven with Kingsley Suomati in play. BYU gets everyone back healthy by TCU. Five and two finish. Listen, blue goggles attached on that one. Whoa. I, I would love it. The, the season will be nine and three and possibly an awesome bowl game. If you go, it would be an awesome you bowl go game. nine and three, you'll play in a great bowl game. I'm thinking we're thinking anything not in Shreveport just because <laughs> it already happened. Nothing uh, against, uh, you know, the bowl or Shreveport. It's just like. What we don't want is BYU's so used to the playing in the same bowl games. Holiday, holiday, holiday. Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. We just don't like a repeat bowl game. We do not like a repeat bowl game around here. Especially when it's uh, the one following a loss to UAB yeah. at the end of that amazing 2021 season you just talked about. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. Shreveport, so it, Shreveport is not exactly. It, I think that's the rallying cry in the locker room right memory. now. Anything but Shreveport. Tyler Sanchez on Instagram says, I feel like BYU can get this win at TCU. I think it's possible, too. After it's TCU a hard one. After TCU lost yes. to West Virginia, it feels, it feels doable. Like, okay, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. If so, then I think BYU beats Texas Tech, saying if they win at TCU, Iowa State and yeah. Oklahoma State, 8-4 yeah. and four if healthy. Totally. Oklahoma at home for a homecoming. There's a slight chance BYU wins that and upset the Sooners. If so, then 9-3. and three. Uh, If BYU beats Oklahoma. <laughs> way Oklahoma's playing right now. Oklahoma's good, man. Like, the like BYU, they're back. Like, they're back. The BYU defense will be tested significantly in the next few weeks. Yes. Also, what happens between now and November 18th? There's a lot of ball to be played. It's true. Let's see what happens. Yes. Hashtag BYUSN on X, Facebook, and Instagram to join the conversation. Watch Coordinator's Corner. A lot of you did on Monday. And uh, you can check it out on the free BYU TV app, BYUSN.com. Good stuff from offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick and special teams coordinator Kelly Pink. Up next, star linebacker A.J. Vonkpachan on where BYU's defense has shined the most through five games, where it can improve to get ready for the back seven, and why he feels like the defense is really just getting started. This is BYU Sports Nation. Could not turn the corner, and there it is, BYU. 
and stopped in his tracks by A.J. Von Kuchong. He is tackled by A.J. Von Kuchong. BYU has its first Big 12 win. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Listen, Jeremy and I sometimes we got things going on. That's why we need guys like Dave McCann to step up. Jeremy. Yesterday was busy. It was, it was very busy. You're doing coordinators. You're doing film, the room. film room. We, we got to call in the cavalry. We got Dave interviewing BYU linebacker AJ Vonkpachan. Yeah, Seven minutes of awesome, and specifically why AJ feels like the BYU defense is just getting started as they prepare for a tough back seven. Here's Dave McCann one on one with AJ Vonkpachan. AJ, your Cougars are four and one after the first month of a Power Five football program. How's it feel? Feels great. You know, obviously, you ideally want to be, you know, five and zero and undefeated. But uh, you know, I think we're we're uh, you know kind of you know happy where we're at and just you know excited to move forward. What happens in this bye week? Uh, one to keep the team focused toward the fourteenth and TCU, but to also give you a break. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. It's a huge advantage is you know having that extra time to you know, recovered, you know, team wide, you know, get our bodies back feeling fresh and then ultimately, you know, have a jump start on being able to prepare and game plan for, you know, this next up upcoming opponent. So it's, it's just huge. I know there's a couple of guys you'd love to see back, Ben Bywater, who didn't play against Cincinnati, but is targeted to be back. How important has Ben to your linebacking core? Yeah, he's huge. Obviously, uh, you know, when you have three older guys out there who played a lot of football, it's, you know, makes things a lot easier. And, you know, obviously Harrison came in and, you know, stepped up huge, you know, I thought. So, you know, either way, you know, we, we miss Ben and, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping he's back for sure. At some point, Talon Alfre, your, your safety is going to come back. Uh, whether it's TCU or the week after, uh, we'll find out. But when you have a leader with experience back at the safety spot, what does that do for the rest of the defense? It's huge. You know, obviously those, you know, the guys who've been there have done an unbelievable job, you know, but, uh, you know, to have talent back, is, it's going to be huge just to be able to have him, you know, kind of, you know, lead out there and obviously just, you know, command that, uh, that uh, secondary position. So. And we know Eddie Hecker too played through some pain against Cincinnati. Uh, this break is great for him. He's such a leader at the corner spot. Uh, a healthy Eddie Hecker against TCU means what? means uh it's 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 you know game changer obviously you know having a guy like that to be at 100 percent you know you want ultimately all your playmakers and all your guys healthy uh going into that week you know they're a good opponent and you know we're just we're hoping that this bye week just you know does this all good so the head coach in our post game show the other night uh, described the team as resilient what does that mean to you yeah you know just the ability to you know continue to fight when things don't go our way. Obviously, you know, throughout the course of a game and even a season, things are not going to go our way. But, you know, that we've done an unbelievable job, I think, just the guys is buying in and continue to work and work and work, and regardless of, you know, what's going on in the outside. So, You and Jay Hill and a whole bunch of guys are new to this defense. But I want to run some numbers past you and compare them to last year uh, where the defense was and get your comments on it. Let's start with points allowed. Last year was 29.5. So far this year down to 22.4. Are you happy with that number? Yeah, you know, I think it's a good start. I think, you know, we need to continue to improve on that and just, you know, make sure we're consistent throughout. So last year, 12 turnovers for the season so far, nine for this defense. Yeah. You know, I think it's a good, like, like I said, it's good, but, uh, we obviously want to, want to improve that number as well. It's something we want to continue to, you know, just get better at for sure. This one's significant, I think. Last year, 46% in third down defense. Uh, this year, so far, 
shaved off 10 percentage points in getting teams off the field. And I know that's a giant priority for Jay Hill. Yeah, I know it's huge. I mean, it's obviously a huge emphasis for all of us, you know, being able to get off the field and make sure our offense comes back, uh, you know, and be able to score points for sure. 15 sacks last year, up to seven so far through five games this year. And I know that linebackers love getting in there at the quarterback. This aggressive style of defense you believe will pay off in the end? 100%. You know, I think we just, you know, scratching the surface and, you know, we're only going to get better from here. All right. Now, now the big one. Last year for a season, there were 19 quarterback hurries, meaning you're rushing the quarterback to get rid of the ball. So far this year, 16 through five games. You lead the team with four. What's the difference? You know, I think it's just the mentality that, you know, when we're, we're asked to go get after the quarterback, you know, we're, we're not just, you know, trying to, you know, go for one for one on blocks or even, you know, just do our job. We're trying to get home and make plays at the end of the day. And I think that's a, a big mentality shift throughout the whole defense for sure. We see it all over the NFL. Saw this past weekend and, and certainly saw it in the Cincinnati game and Arkansas. When you get pressure on a quarterback, you don't necessarily have to get to him for him to make a mistake. Right. hundred percent. And, you know, obviously it's huge when, you know, the, the guys on the back end, you know, holding down their guys and, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. And, you know, it just makes, you know, everyone's lives easier for sure. This is your first year at BYU and your last, uh, <laughs> one last blast. You got three Texas teams coming after the bye uh, in October. How much fun are you having at this level of football? Um, I'm having so much fun. You know, I couldn't have asked for, you know, a better, you know, place to be at. You know, I'm, I'm definitely happy with the decision that I've made to come here. And, you know, I'm just uh, excited to keep going and, you know, look forward to just, you know, soaking up every minute of it that I can, for sure. You're up to 34 tackles, second on the team behind Max Tooley, who had 16 the other night. It's good to have you by a few. Uh, when you're out there on the field, uh, you've got your assignment, but then there's also the football player in you that that looks to make plays. Once that ball snapped, what what's going through your mind? Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to read my keys and make sure that I do my job first and foremost, like you said, right? And, you know, after that, it's just about, you know, understanding what's going on and pursuing to the ball. You know, I think – we do, you know, across the defensive wide, a good job of just pursuing the ball and, you know, just getting after it, you know, getting hats on the ball. Let's talk about TCU. We'll finish with the Horn Frogs. They were in the national championship game last year. They're a different team this year, but they've got you in Fort Worth a week from Saturday. Um, they can score points. What will be the challenge? Maybe we had the three keys for your defense against the Horn Frogs. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, obviously getting getting off the field on third down, you know, and obviously getting getting the pressure and then ultimately, you know, making them not put points on the board, right? So those are kind of the biggest three things, especially in the red zone. So, you know, as, I think, you know, as these two weeks go by and, you know, where you get that extra time for game prep, I think it's going to be good and um, just, you know, continue to improve from there. At Big 12, a home opener last week, you take the field, there's fireworks, a little extra fireworks, a little more fire, sold out crowd. Uh, you dream of playing football at the highest of levels. So as you ran out onto the field with the rest of the team, what's going through your mind? I mean, it's surreal, obviously. Like, you know, that feeling, just seeing all those fans, and you know, just being in the atmosphere was was truly electric. And, you know, it was uh, truly unbelievable. I can't even, uh, you know, put it into words, you know, just that feeling of running out there and seeing, seeing everyone there. And, you know, it was truly a, a memorable moment for sure. We'll get some rest, enjoy the bye week, and we'll see you take the field in Fort Worth here a week from Saturday. AJ, thank you. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. AJ Vong Pachan, uh, not surprisingly, all of his coaches 
say, we wish he had at least one more year. I wish he had this. three more years. Jeez. He's been an incredible addition to the Absolutely. BYU linebacking core. And frankly, with Ben Bywater out last game, like it, it was nice to know that Max Tooley and A.J. Vonk Pachan are back there to try and short things up with Harrison Taggart. As we look at the numbers over the first five games, now we need, yeah. we need to point this out because... These aren't as uh, much better than I, as good as I thought through five compared to last year. Granted, through five, BYU was also 4-1, and one, but had yes. not played the schedule that BYU had played. They had played one power, uh, two power fives, Baylor and Oregon, split those, and BYU has played three power fives and is 2-1, and one, yes. including a notable road win at Arkansas. The, the sacks um, had more sacks last year, which is a bit of a surprising number. Granted, you're playing Wyoming and, and Utah State, which had A.J. Bonk-Pachon, by the way. Um, I, I anticipate over the duration of the season that those numbers, because what we don't have in those numbers is a four-game losing streak that was about to happen for BYU. Yeah. Uh, and they had started that. Remember guess, that when BYU had a below 500 record? Yeah, that was tough. But, again, this, this is a weighted schedule. This is a tougher situation. BYU's never played 10 Power Fives. The numbers are not going to be as good as they have been before. Or maybe they're equal to. If they're equal to, that means they, they were way better. But BYU has created more turnovers, and that is a big deal. Um, in fact, those two, the, the plus two from last year, uh, compared to last year, are the difference in winning the Cincinnati game. You win the margin, you've got a great shot here. You lose the margin at Kansas, you lose the game. Yeah, and, and in that situation, it wasn't even necessarily about margin. It was about two directly led on those plays to touchdowns, yes. which are, like, really hard to overcome. In fact, BYU almost did, which tells you what it would have been like if it had been even. I think BYU wins the game if it's even. So, yet, I don't think BYU's 5-0 and good at this point. Like, BYU's played well in spurts, but BYU's pretty inconsistent in certain areas uh, – uh, especially on offense and running the ball, if BYU was 5-0, I would, I would be saying BYU is, like, massively overrated. Like, BYU, to me, is probably should be 3-2, and two, but they have taken advantage of a couple of moments at Arkansas and Cincinnati that have allowed them to become 4-1. and one. You are what you do, not what you say or think you do, and what BYU has done has been good enough to be 4-1. and one. This is, again, you have been explosive when your opportunities have been granted to you. At Arkansas, and or you Cincinnati. create said turn said opportunities, right? Yeah, and and we need sometimes to credit, not handed to, to sometimes you take it with some turnovers as well. Like they they had they are deserving of credit for some of these, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but interesting, those numbers are so similar through five games, defensively speaking. Yeah, it's like wait a minute, but different different style yeah. and level of opponents in the five games this year compared to the first five last year. Yeah. Okay. After further review, is tonight seven Eastern on the BYU TV app as the guys break down the win against Cincinnati. Talk about the bye week, look at TCU a little bit. That's coming up tonight, 7 Eastern on the app. Up next, how optimistic should we feel that BYU might get some key players back from injury soon and ready for the TCU game? Your headlines and a loaded Cougar Whip around include that and more. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your Tuesday headlines. Yeah, football's on a bye week out of TCU next week. Offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick gave an update on some of the injured guys. I think there's a chance we can get those guys back. Um, it's not, I don't, know, I don't know exactly, I can't predict exactly yet, but we have two full weeks that we play, so I think there's a good chance we could get one or two or maybe all three of them back. Those guys being Cody Epps, Waylon Lapuahu, 
And Aiden Robbins. And Aiden Robbins. Okay. BYU's also ranked number 38 in the Athletics Week 5 FPS rankings after a 4-1 start to the season, which is fifth among Big 12 teams. Okay, then. All right. Sixth-ranked BYU women's soccer absolutely hey. destroys Iowa State in Ames. <laughs> 7-0 last night. About a ton. Six different players from BYU scored. Aaron Bailey recorded her second career brace with two goals. Brecken Mazingo, Bella Felino, Ellie Walbrook, Ellie Bourne, and Zoe Jacobs all found the back of the net for the Cougars. Shout out to childhood homie Brent Eddington and his old fam were at the game. Awesome. Nice. BYU women's volleyball drops one spot, stays in the top 10 at number 10 in the ABCA poll after losing two four-set matches at Texas last week. One match this week, Saturday at Oklahoma. I just want Texas in the Smithfield house. We'll see what happens there. BYU women's golf currently second it in. It ain't happening. I know. <laughs> second in the final round of the Maryland Smith Sunflower Invitational hosted by Kansas State. BYU it's the Sunflower State. Tied for first after the first 36 holes yesterday. The Cougars have been paced by Lily McCauley, who is fourth, and Leela Naliai, who is currently fifth individually. Sunflower, also a good uh, song by Puss Moore. Wally Thane uh, of the Beehive State. Uh, Wally Thane, he has a house here as well. <laughs> Zach Fuchs of BYU Men's Tennis was competed in the ITA All-American Championships in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The doubles team lost in three in a super tiebreaker in the opening round. They lost in the round of 128 of the singles tournament in a close three-set match. In the future, we may have a hey. round of 128 in March Madness. You know. All right, hey, you never, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Expansion! <laughs> Whoa, what too much. Was... What was that spoof? Was the it, Onion? Was it 4,096 The un, The Onion Sports back <laughs> in the day. We've expanded the tournament. Send to the steam da room. Dallas, <laughs> Dallas Roberts taking on the Home Depot crew. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know we've gone too far. Oh, the onion when Dallas Roberts is their, competing in March Madness. 4,096 teams. Not Oral Roberts. Madness. The haircutting school. <laughs> Dallas Roberts. All right. With that said, let's whip it. Cougar Rip Round presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Who would win between Dallas and no, Edgecombe? After BYU's 4-1 start, the Action Network's Brett McMurphy, as well as ESPN's Kyle Bonagura and Mark Schlebaugh, have BYU playing Mizzou Ooh. in the Liberty Bowl. Would you take that? Yes. Missouri's good this year. They're ranked. They're undefeated. They've beaten Kansas State. Who knew? Hit. Mizzou is a good team. Like, that would be a tough SEC opponent in a fun bowl game. Like, I would... I would take it, yeah. It would be intriguing, to say the least. Yeah, I'd, I'd take it right now, because I'm concerned that BYU may be just relegated to the bowl they were already penciled into I'll as take, an independent. I'll take it because it's not Shreveport. <laughs> really crapping on Shreveport today. Jeez. <laughs> you can't hide our true feelings. Sorry. We just, we just been there, done that. We want something else. It's my COVID, COVID trauma speaking. Puka Nakua currently first in targets and receptions. I heard that. Second in receiving yards, yards per game, and first downs, and third in yards after the catch and 20-plus yard receptions out of all receivers in the NFL. All! Amazing. Robert Griffin III, not surprisingly, has taken notice. He has Puka in his top five early NFL MVP front runners. Not rookie of the year. This MVP. is MVP. How do you expect Puka's production to change, however, when Cooper Cup comes back from the injured reserve, which should happen pretty soon? Puka Nakua is averaging 13 targets a game. <laughs> I would imagine that goes down to like nine a game, but Puka's, or something, but Puka's been too good not to be used in an effective way. You, you've got two of the best receivers in the league suddenly when Cooper is available, um, which is unbelievable. But what Puka's doing right now is just incredible. It's one of the best four green stretches we've yes. ever seen from any BYU NFL player ever. Amen. Even when Cooper Cup comes back, 
because Puka will be targeted as even the number two or number three receiver, because of what he's already yeah. like attained. He might be number one in catches Cooper and yards. Yeah, until he he's knows, okay. Right. He's going to be at least a 1,200-yard receiver. At least. At least. Like, even if Cooper Cup comes back and steals a bunch of targets and they're not targeting Puka as much and not throwing to him as much, because he's off to such a fast start, he's going to be at least a 1,200-yard receiver. Now my mind is like, season. I, I must look up 1,000-yard NFL receivers from BYU. Yeah, I'll have to do that It's, it's unbelievable. Great. Great. I volunteer for this, Brendan. Women's soccer won 7-0 at Iowa State last night. Is the key for BYU women's soccer to score first? Yes. Yeah, especially because I'm not sure why Iowa State didn't do it. Because if you park the bus defensively and just like put a bunch of bodies in the box, then it's that's typically been a tough thing for BYU to overcome. Iowa State decided to just go open it up, and it resulted in a seven nothing loss. That's what BYU wants: is please open it up. Yes, but I mean Cincinnati, Utah tried to do it. Utah State did it. TCU did it a little bit. Expect teams to park the bus against BYU, and that will make scoring first even more important. If you're inept offensively, you you have to try and counter. You park the bus and counter against a team like BYU that wants like. 58,000 shots in a game. Um, the more quality shots BYU can take in the box, the better. Shooting from outside the box is a, a low proposition, typically, unless your name's Rachel McCarthy right now. <laughs> right? Brecken Mozingo. Well, and unfortunately, Rachel's dealing with an elbow injury, so they missed her against Cincinnati. That's a bummer. Right? And Iowa State. Hopefully back she's soon. back soon, yeah. NBC's Rodney Harrison, while interviewing Chiefs defensive end Chris Jones on Sunday, you may have seen this, after the Chiefs win over the Jets, said the following, quote, but watching that tape, He's looking at Chris Jones. You got to look at this dude, speaking of Zach Wilson. He is garbage. Like, we should really tear him apart, end quote. Jones didn't go for it and called Wilson special. To which Harrison said, I think he had a special night, but I don't think he's special. You're special, Chris Jones, because you've proved it over a course of time. He's not special. I'm just saying, end quote. Okay, so Harrison drew a ton of criticism for those comments. Mm -hmm. And Robert Sala, Jets, or head, co head coach of the Jets, said Harrison reached out to Wilson and it's now water under the bridge. What do you make of the entire sequence there? The comments on Sunday Night Football, yeah. Harrison apologizing to Robert Sala and where we are now. First off, you can use stats to tell a story as opposed to calling uh, a human garbage, even if it's uh, the sports part of him. I, I don't like that part. I love that Chris Jones took the high road. He literally turned away from uh, Rodney, Rodney Harrison. Harrison when he was talking. Uh, Harrison went to the well like three times. I do appreciate that Harrison reached out. I, I think that's what you need to do uh, when you say something like that and, and you feel like you overstepped your bounds because he definitely did. The Patriot, I think, came out a little bit against the Jet uh, right there. So I'm, gl I'm glad that uh, Rodney Harrison apologized there, but we've been doing this a long time. Uh, you don't call people garbage. <laughs> like that's not a thing. Even if it's that's just appropriate talking about their sports e play. E yes. I, if I say the BYU run game is played like garbage, that's different because I'm not singling out a, a human being. Like, but BYU hasn't played like garbage. They play better than that. Yeah. B just we got to be careful when we because we have to be uh, critical of things when they're not good. But there's a way to do that that is better than what happened. Tone matters so much. Rodney Harrison could have made his point to Chris Jones and said simply. When you look at what Zach Wilson did against the Patriots and has had his struggles this year, did you believe that he was going to play as well as he did last night? Because the tape has not been favorable for Zach Wilson. It's as simple as that. That's a different way to say it. You're saying the same thing. Or but you it's... could give numbers. Like, right. here, here are the numbers. Throw like, out some numbers. Fine. Yeah. Like, you can do it in so many sure. different ways compared to keep going at it like, oh, bro, you be honest with me. He's garbage, right? Like. It's not the approach. Let's avoid calling uh, any 
humans garbage. No, okay? I respected that's, that's Chris that's Jones and I respected Patrick Mahomes and his comments after the game. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, no, Chiefs Chiefs took the high road. Maybe the connection to BYU is, is part Andy. of it, but yeah. I also think they legitimately are just <laughs> better approached than Rodney Harrison yes. was in those situations. Up next, former NFL player David Nixon. Not garbage. In fact, he's salt of the earth. What does he expect BYU's record to be over the final seven games? Is he going to take more than three wins? Or is he with uh, Jeremy and I in that regard? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. And nine, Sweeney has to go down and get this one. And the southpaw slings this one too hard, and it's picked up! Ah, uh, yes. Pick six, David Nixon, Wyoming. Not, nothing like shutting out Wyoming 44 to nothing a week after you shut out UCLA 59 to nothing. That was a fun two weeks. <laughs> you outscored opponents 103 to nothing in two weeks. That'll do, pig. Oh, That'll my do. goodness. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station, live from Studio B. And the man who produced that highlight for BYU football and an NFL veteran, David Nixon, is now joining us on BYU Sports Nation. Was that all Brandon Bradley, or did you do the job there? I mean, it, the ball was tipped in the air. If I don't catch that, something's wrong with me. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I just laughed at the quality of that video. I mean, how grainy is that video? <laughs> how <laughs> old are you, David? Honestly, it, it, it dates me a little bit. In fact, <laughs> I, I tell people, I tell the story all the time. My family, everyone knows I'm from Texas. My family, they had to watch. My parents came out to the games, but my grandparents and other members had to watch our games on a sling box back in Texas. <laughs> Not sling the uh, app, a sling box. No, a sling box. We had to put a box in my grandparents' house here in Utah so my grandparents in Texas could watch the game. Yep. Uh, it'd be odd via the sling box. It, the whole thing was wild. So anytime I hear any of the players now complain or anything, I'm like, listen, you play on ESPN and HD. I played on the mountain in SD, standard depth, and it uh, wasn't, wasn't as great. 480p for the win. <laughs> oh, my God. David Nixon coming to us in high definition from his home. <laughs> like, like this definition. Zoom is better it's than better. the broadcast <laughs> you play, which we were in school at the same time, so we can't act like you're that old. Oh, but, uh, right. Hey, here's the technological advances. All right, David, BYU 4-1 and one after five games as they enter the bye week. Is this, when you look at the, how the five games broke down, is this as good a start as you thought were possible for BYU through five games? Or were you thinking 5-0 and oh was possible? Yeah, listen, obviously I'm, I'm ecstatic with where they're at. And for me, I'm, I'm happy with where they're heading, with the trajectory. But I'm also happy if you look back at that Kansas game, you get wrapped them 14 points, um, and you take those away, and you're in that game. If not, you win, right? So. You take all that into account, and yes, you can look at that 4-1 schedule, uh, record, I should say, but um, when you take it on account, you're like, man, this team is playing really good football. And, and yes, there are stretches where BYU struggled. You look at the Cincinnati first half, they struggled until that last drive. Um, but all in all, I mean, I, I feel like defensively, and you guys showed some numbers earlier, you know, it's, it's interesting that they match up similar to last year, but I would, I would argue that the competition is obviously better uh, this year as well as um, just the different looks BYU is giving, right? And, and the way they're able to – the turnover they had early in the season as well to keep the BYU in the game. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic with the team. Four and one, yes, when you look at it from, from the record-wise, I get even more excited knowing – watching them play football and seeing how the team is kind of slowly progressing, developing. 
uh, that's, I think, what gives me a lot of optimism as we head into you know, the rest of the season. How do you kind of weigh this, too, against the schedule that BYU's never faced before, which BYU's just getting into with two games, right, against teams that it could hang with? There's going to be some games that are going to be tougher down the stretch, right, with Texas and Oklahoma and whatnot. But how do we, how do we sort, of, sort of approach this as we look at the stats? Because BYU's never played this kind of schedule. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what's so fun about this. These guys, everyone will look back and say, hey, the 2023 first-year Big 12 team did this or that, right? I mean, they're guinea pigs, and, and they're, they're in uncharted territory where you're in a P5 and you're having to navigate, uh, you know, an outlet by week or having to navigate, you know, potentially when BOE plays Texas, they might be the number one team in the country, right? And who knows what Oklahoma does the rest of the season. Uh, they keep winning where they move up in their polls. And so you're having to navigate this whole landscape of, of week in and week out playing not only P5 opponents, but, but you know, conference opponents, guys who are now dialed in, who have been scouting you, Leading up to the season, knowing that BYU is going to be coming into the, to the Big 12, they've been scouting BYU for the last you know year and a half or whatever it has been since the announcement was made. And so it's a whole different dynamic than the independents where they kind of just went game by game. Um, now it just bears so much more weight. And there's so much more preparation by other teams as well as BYU. And so um, you look at that remaining schedule, man, it's I, I, I get excited thinking of the potential that once again the BYU has to go out there and if they if they play the ball they're playing. Uh, you know, Texas and Oklahoma are tough games, but Oklahoma at home, I like BYU's odds, especially we'll see if it's a night game or not, right? We like those odds. Um, but you look at the rest of those games, I think they're all very winnable games. And, and I think BYU has a shot, and frankly, in all of them. We've seen BYU's history with Texas as well. So I don't count this team out against anyone. And, and I, I think, if, you know, depending on what continues to happen with injuries, if BYU can be healthy, um, I, I think they have a shot with any of the teams remaining on their schedule. David, let's say BYU goes three and four. And full clarity, Jeremy and I believe that there are three wins remaining on the schedule, maybe a fourth. Let's say they go three and four over the back seven and finish seven and five. Would that be good enough for you? Or would you feel like, ah, there's more there? I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, at this point, I feel like seven and five would be uh, just kind of a, you know, I think everyone before the season said, hey, six and six, get to a bowl game. Now that you started four and one, and, and like I said, everyone can see what this team has put on film and put out there on the field. I think seven and five would kind of be like, okay, that was that that was an okay season. I think uh, you go eight and four. I think everyone's pretty happy. Obviously, nine plus, I'm ecstatic, right? In your first season of the Big Twelve. Uh, but for me, I think the bar has now been reset. So probably at eight and four, mm. um, it would be would be a pretty good season. I think seven and five. I think you just kind of, eh, yeah, yeah, we're happy, but you're going to a bowl game, but we left some out there on the table. Okay, BYU in the Big 12 right now, uh, you know, in the upper echelon at 4-1, one, 1-1 one one in league. Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma look good. West Virginia has been the surprise at 2-0 and oh in the league. Big win over TCU on the road last week. What do you make of kind of where BYU fits in the league, and what do you think of Big 12 play so far? I can't remember which tweet it was, but somebody else in the Big 12 podcast or somebody put out a tweet. I think BYU was number four right behind Kansas and obviously Oklahoma and, and Texas. Um, that number felt good to me, being being in that number four spot. Uh, but I tell you what, I mean, West Virginia, as you mentioned, uh, there, there's some sleepers in this in this league right now, uh, and and West Virginia is definitely one of them. Um, I I don't know. I, I feel like number four is good. Maybe it's a little too high. I, I, I like this team having to play with a chip on their shoulder. Think about what they did when they were a big underdogs against Arkansas, big underdogs against Kansas the next week, um, and then of course the Cincinnati game was all over the place too, and so. I like BYU being more middle back of the path. 
uh, as far as rankings go, because I think they play much better with this chip on their shoulder. No, you know, no cares in the world. There's no pressure. They go out there and play loose. Uh, but you know, if, if we're talking just kind of a you know mid-year poll, I think they're in the top half for sure. And, and the TCU games be very telling. Going on the road, obviously their first road game in Big Twelve didn't fare too well. How do they go on the road against TCU and how do they perform? Um, you know, if you can go out there and have a convincing win or even a win at that, I, man, I really do think the sky's the limit for this team um, because we've seen it. We've seen glimpses of brilliance from this team. We've seen when they can go out there and, and I mean, like the, the drive before halftime against Cincinnati, just, you know, three plays, boom, 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 touchdowns. We've seen deep, the defense go out there, pick off, you know, uh, pick six by Jacob Robson there in, in the first half as well. So the team has the ability um, and they just can't cop up points like we saw in Kansas, right? You just can't give away points. Um, and especially Big 12 plays. So I'm really intrigued. I think the TCU game will tell us a lot about this team. I think we kind of have an idea who this team is. But if this team can go down to TCU and, and uh, you know, walk in there and get a W, man, that's uh, that's a lot of confidence, a huge confidence boost that they need kind of for the rest of the, uh, rest of the season. 11 days to get ready for TCU on October 14th. Uh, hopefully BYU can shore some things up and prepare themselves for a tough road challenge in Dallas-Fort Worth. David Nixon, always great to talk to you, man. We'll see you on After Further Review. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, fellas. Now, we should note that David Nixon was a huge part of a notable win at TCU. Yes, he was. In 2006, he oh forced a fumble. On in that Jeff game. Ballard? Yep. Is that the quarterback? Number team? 16, Jeff As Ballard. Seen on Versus. <laughs> what is that? Now it's I believe, a I believe Versus had an HD option, so at least they had that going for them. It was in uh, 1K. Yeah. In case Man. you missed, uh, I guess 720 is actually technically HD. There you go. In case you missed any interviews, uh, you know, trending discussions, conversations, deep blues, any other BYU Sports Nation content, it's all on BYUSN.com, games, studio shows, and all right, we need to wrap up today's show with the top five plays over the first five games of the BYU football season. Because, hey. you know, we got to celebrate Top 5 Tuesday. What happened it's to BYU the Sports Cincinnati Bearcat mascot? No idea. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to Top 5 Tuesday. The top five plays over the first five games of the BYU football season feels appropriate today. Uh, yeah. Start us off at number five, Jerry. Number five, Eddie Heckard, strip sack, fumble, and recovered by Tyler Batty against Arkansas. This was a huge play in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. Just a couple of minutes left. And big time stuff from Eddie Heckard, who as soon as he did it, he knew that he popped that out. Tyler Batty right there. And boom goes the dynamite. Huge play and a big win at Arkansas. Number four, Isaac Rex, the Elk. Did that nickname go somewhere? It's still going. They <laughs> okay. brought it up on a broadcast. The here. Elk. Yeah. He's dashing after a beautiful pass from Keaton Slovis. Threads the needle, but great hands. And they gave him a hard time for not reaching the end zone because it would have broken the record, but still sitting good. on that. He's still, still tied with still the. Sitting, he's still waiting for one more to be the all-time record. Longest pa uh, play of the season right there. There you go, number four. Number three, Jacob Robinson, pick six versus Cincinnati. This was the first score of the game. And this was a big score. It gave BYU an early lead here, Spence. It was important because the offense only generated 38 yards until the last drive of the <laughs> half. Jacob Robinson, seventh career pick. First cornerback pick six at LaBelle Edwards Stadium since 06. BYU Statman and Hunter Miller. Yeah. 
on help uh, with that one. Now, Jacob was outspoken about this, especially his family. He wanted one. He's like, I got to get one. Absolutely. I got to get one. He's too good enough to have one. He's got it now. No, he's got it. Number two, Chase Roberts, according to Aaron Roderick, the Offensive Player of the Week for BYU football. This unbelievable 59-yard touchdown reception. Who cares that it was intended for Keanu Hill? <laughs> Chase did his job, came back to the ball, helped out his quarterback, and then beat everybody to the end zone. Aaron Roderick also said, Chase can run. He's fast. People need to give him credit for his I ability to run. I made this point yesterday, Yes. Spence. Yes. And the uh, number one play through the first five games of top five season, Chase Roberts, one-handed catch oh. in Arkansas. It is too good not to be number one. Uh, I have give me number that. 46 in the greatest plays in BYU's oh. history. You may think, ah, you're just throwing out 46. No, no, no. We, we made a show made a couple years list. ago. I looked. That's where I have it, number 46. Unreal. So good. Catch by Chase Roberts. I shot the film room yesterday with Chase. That'll air next week. He talks in depth more about that play. Deservedly, he's in spots one and two. It's been that type of season for Chase he Roberts. He is the closest thing, uh, well, Puka, uh, to Puka, <laughs> to Austin Collie. Those two have been the closest things we've had uh, to Austin Collie since then. The type of receiver Austin was. Cody Hoffman was his own type of receiver. Our question of the day. BYU has the ninth toughest schedule remaining according to ESPN's Football Power Index. What do you expect BYU's record to be over the final seven games? Steven Notham on Instagram answers, our elite voice today, presented by PAX, Healthcare Elevated. I think they absolutely win three, Yep. somewhat likely four, okay. and with a high Ken Palm luck rating, <laughs> That's BYU a real could win five. Very, very good. Very good. You know. You know. <laughs> Today's Rise of Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Season high seven goals for women's soccer at Iowa State. More of that. That was great. Let's get a home win in the Big 12 for women's soccer, huh? Yeah. They haven't, they haven't picked that up yet. Yeah. Actually, let's do that. That's coming up. Our thanks to today's guests, AJ Bonkpachan and David Nixon. Sorry to Dennis, ran out of time. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to our homie Robert Parker, national yeah. champ. See you for after further review tonight at 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Go Cougs.